as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the 6-4 Impala Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Board as Hell podcast I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot And I am Andy Wilson, also Big Shiny Robot And I am Brooke Heim of the Not Entirely Perfect podcast and this week we've got two movies for you. The first one is the, I guess, money monetary thriller, you call it, uh, Money Monster with uh, George Clooney. And then, of course, we've got X-Men Apocalypse, which is actually kind of cool that we got to see it so early and talk about it. Because most of the times uh, we pretty much have a gag order in place <laughs> with these big name movies. <clears throat> but uh, first, we're just going to discuss Money Monster pretty quickly. Um, this is a Jodie Foster-directed thriller um, starring George Clooney as Lee Gates, who's kind of a uh, – he is a motley fool kind of character on this TV show called Money Monster that's, you know, talking about investments and sell, 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 buy, 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 and wears a big shiny hat and dances with scantily clad women. We've all so seen the show. He's kind of like a Jim Cramer kind of guy, it, right? Exactly. Very much, yeah, okay. very much in that vein of, of – kind of a stereotypical type this is finance it's boring let's make it fun kind of shows um his d- director patty fine who's played by julia roberts it's her last day she's gonna leave because george Clooney's kind of a dick and no one likes him and uh they've been friends forever but she's moving on to greener pastures well in the middle of his newest episode he's discussing the fact that there's this huge uh company called ibis global that because of a software glitch, lost $800 million in shares and uh, in, in basically value in 24 hours. So, you know, millions of people are out, you know, millions of dollars, and it's a big, huge thing. Well, in the middle of this broadcast, I enter uh, Kyle Budwell, played by Jack O'Connell, who we last saw in Unbroken, and he comes in, pulls a gun on uh, Lee Gates, makes him put on a bomb vest, a vest filled with C4, and threatens to blow him up uh, if he doesn't start getting some answers. Basically, he invested his whole life savings into IBIS because George Clooney said, oh, hey, it's safer than uh, a savings account. Put all your money in it, and you'll be perfectly fine. Well, obviously it wasn't. So uh, Kyle is there to get some answers and most likely kill <laughs> George Clooney. So that's where that's the first 20, 30 minutes of the movie. It kind of goes from there, and there's some twists and turns and figuring out you know where this money went and what happened. So, the, my problem with this movie is that there's a lot to say about the financial collapse, you know, gosh, almost a decade ago now, um, and everything that happened, and we got that with The Big Short, which was a great movie that actually explained how it happened, what happened, and you left the movie theater feeling angry over all the BS that occurred because of these people and, you know, betting against the financial industry, um, and basically the fact that all these huge banks and these rich bankers got away pretty much scot-free with just a slap on the wrist for destroying the world economy. Money Monster wants to do that, but it's not smart enough to do that. Um, at the end of the movie, when everything's said and done, you're kind of left feeling meh. Uh, there's no answers, no questions are resolved. Um, the rich are so rich, there's no penalties for anyone. Um, you know, there isn't even really a sense of danger in the entire movie, because as much as Yes, George Clooney's strapped to a bomb vest and has a gun to his head. You just don't care. I mean, no one's interesting enough to even worry about them. He's kind of a douchebag, so you really don't care if he lives or dies. Julie Roberts is okay. I mean, actually, everyone gives okay performances. 
Uh, and it's directed well, so it's not really Jodie Foster's fault. It's just a really weak script. And if anything, you walk out just kind of feeling underwhelmed and like maybe you should have taken that six bucks spent on a ticket and invested it in penny stocks. Probably would have been a better investment. So uh, I'm at a five out of ten. It's not horrible, but it's one of those movies where in two months from now we're going to look back and when you say Money Monster, we'll all be like, wait, what movie was that? Exactly. So, uh, so question, at any point, does Margot Robbie show up in a bubble bath to explain financial derivatives? I wish. That would have made it, like, uh, that would have get, gotten at least two more points. See? Um, the, and that's how that's how the big short worked, because it had that sense of, like, kind of random sardonic humor to, like, make it make it all happen. So, doesn't, like, Lindsay Lohan show up at 1.2 or something? Or, like, or is it Miley Cyrus? Or someone shows up? Like, uh, I can't remember who all the other cameos were. Like, is it is it Demi Lovato? And there's there's one point where it's a it's a Harvard economist and uh, and a pop star. And I can't remember who's the one who used to date Justin Bieber. It's that one. That's Miley Cyrus. Oh no, it's a um. Oh crap. The I love you like a no. It's love you like a love song. What's what's that girl that all my that my kids love. I suck so bad shows at you how, how little I care. But yeah, but, but see, but that's why the big short worked because it, it was kind of it, even though it was really serious and a lot of bad stuff happened, there was a lot of humor in there. Thanks to director and co-writer Adam McKay. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like this does not. And so I guess my suggestion would be don't, Go see Money Monster. Uh, the Big Short is out, available for rental or purchase, and so is Hail Caesar, and that is a great Clooney performance. Again, yeah, and Hail um, Caesar is only digital right now, which annoys me because I want all the special features. Because <laughs> oh, dang you, people who actually still purchase uh, physical media! I'm like, oh, it's it's on Amazon. I'm I'm getting this right now, and <laughs> well, I, I just also. Have- crappy internet so <laughs> I, I love that movie so much though and again George Clooney talking about serious economic issues with a bunch of egg-headed communists so um, uh, that would be my suggestion is uh, well I guess rent hail Caesar uh, on streaming and then wait to get the physical if that's your actual yeah um, and then two things uh, Selena Gomez was Selena the- Gomez yes. there we go and they, they all she and Miley Cyrus, they all look the same. Um, but I will say one thing is that uh, Jack O'Connell is kind of an up-and-comer. He, you know, we've only really seen him in two things, like Unbroken and this one. Um, uh, also, he was in The 300 Rise of an Empire, <clears throat> which I didn't even realize that. He is fantastic. He is definitely one of um, up again up-and-comers who's making waves and actually can go out there and deliver a great performance and... Again, as much as you know, George Clooney's great as himself, Julie Roberts, it's good to see Julie Roberts actually do something a little more serious and not her Mother's Day <clears throat> drag that uh, she's been doing. <laughs> so it's good to see Julie Roberts getting back to her roots. Uh, but if anything, it's worth seeing just for his performance. That being said, it's not worth seeing in theaters. Just red box it. It'll cost you a dollar. It'll be out on DVD in three weeks because no one cares. Um, and if you look at the box office, no one does care. Uh, it's just unfortunate because there's a good story to be told. There's a good point to make, and this just falls flat on its face and can't do that. Oh, that's too bad. Um, 
Well, speaking of movies that could have fallen flat on their face, uh, we have X-Men Apocalypse, which is loosely based on the X-Men franchise and the series of comics, Age of Apocalypse, uh, that... When, when was that? Like early 90s, right? Like I'm thinking like 93 to 95, like somewhere in there. That it, was It was around there and it was, uh, you know, I mean, it's kind of funny we mentioned this because um, on Funny Books and Firewater, we're actually discussing what comics to do next and we really want to tackle Age of Apocalypse. But it's not like most comics where you can read like a book of five and be done. I mean, this thing was huge. I mean, it was it just totally took over and destroyed and changed up you know, the Marvel universe, um, for decades, even still to this day, it was probably one of the defining moments in that series. So yeah, well, yeah, fans are excited for this. It's a big thing. (laughs) Well, and that's what Chris Claremont, who was the the main writer of X-Men at the time was known for doing was drawing out these long storylines over years and years and years and years. Like the, the legacy virus, I think, showed up for the first time in like 1990 and then they finally resolved it in like the year 2000. So yeah, age of apocalypse was huge and is seen as one of like the great seminal X-Men storylines ever. And so this is the movie adaptation, uh, building off of the previous two X-Men films, the, the reboot following first class and days of future past. Uh, If you remember at the end of Days of Future Past, uh, they were able to kind of reset the timeline and uh, we didn't know exactly what was happening. Yeah, it was basically a big, big two middle fingers to uh, Brett Ratner for X3. Yes, it was. And those two middle fingers were well-deserved. And we just uh, all stood up and we clapped and we laughed. <laughs> and and there's, in fact, uh, another uh, really great wink and a nod to, uh, to that fact in this movie. So uh, bravo for that. Um, so this film is based off of uh, that character, Apocalypse, uh, played here by Oscar Isaac. Uh, whom we remember very fondly from Star Wars and from uh, the Coen brothers inside Lewin Davis and Ex Machina. Uh, This guy is all over the place and he's amazing. And in this, they put him in blue makeup and a giant robot suit. And uh, he is imposing. He's scary. He was the first mutant ever. If you follow the X-Men uh comics and storyline and uh, what he does is he takes four other powerful mutants and imbues them with even greater power and turns them into his four horsemen of the apocalypse and then terrible things happen and uh, worldwide or regional calamities happen so of course our band of good guys the x-men have to fight against this great power and and try and turn it back uh returning are all of our favorites from the past movies yes quicksilver comes back he stole the movie in days of future past he steals this movie again in an even better scene if that is possible uh the um if i could put time in a bottle scene was one of the best parts of days of future past Oh, you, ain't, <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet until you've seen 
what he does in Age of Apocalypse. It, it's that times 10. And, and the song, as much as I love Time in a Bottle, um, again, I, we don't want to say anything because nope. it's, almost, it's almost spoilery, but uh, the moment... It, you know, they kind of uh, foreshadow like within three seconds of what's going to happen. So you're like, oh, this is the Quicksilver scene. And then the song starts playing. And like, you know, we, we saw this. It was a critics only screen. So there was like 15 of us in the theater. Same and here. I've never seen a group of critics who are already jaded because we have to see so much crap. Like whoop and cheer on a character as much as we did in that scene. Like we were all having a time of our lives laughing our asses off and cheering. So... As much as the Days of Future Past was cool, this one takes it to the next level. And, uh, yeah, let's just say it was fantastic. Yeah, it, that was absolutely amazing. And and the high watermark of both the film and, dare I say, that was as good, if not better, than anything I saw in Civil War, Batman v Superman. Um, my only problem with the film is that is such a high watermark, and I don't think the rest of the movie quite makes it there well except for the end for me well the end and and that's one of the other things that we need to talk about without spoiling anything uh i mentioned all of the characters who are coming back we're also introduced to a new team of young mutants who uh if we remember from the first x-men movie it's like hey where's gene gray where's cyclops where's storm guess what they're all showing up in this movie and Nightcrawler too. And uh, we start to see their origins and where they're showing up. And remember, this is a new timeline. We don't have to worry about any of the stuff that happened in X-Men 1 or X-Men 2. Uh, This is slightly different. And so put those things out of your mind and just think of this as their new origin story. And it works. And it's a lot of fun. And in in my mind, uh, the introduction of those characters was also far better than uh, our team of, of older mutants. Like, um, oh, now I, I'm, I'm forgetting the actress's name, but she plays Sansa Stark. Sophie Turner. Sophie Turner as Jean Grey. I love me some Fomke Jansen. I love her so much. But... Sophie Turner uh, makes me love Jean Grey even more, and um, you're you're gonna see some stuff. Fans yeah. of Jean Grey are gonna get huge payoffs. Uh, fans of Nightcrawler are going to get some huge payoffs, and uh, there's a lot of those other Easter eggs and bits and pieces uh, that that turn out incredibly well in this movie. And what's really cool is uh, Ty Sheridan plays a uh, young Cyclops, and it's great because he actually is, I think, eighteen, and <laughs> uh, yep. he plays this, so he can very realistically play a teenager. Um, and Cyclops, I, I've never been a huge fan of Cyclops in the movies or even in the the comics. Yeah, me He's neither. Kind of annoying, kind of douchebaggy. Uh, what's great with this is that yes, we do get an origin story, but it literally takes three minutes of screen time, uh, and then after that, they go have fun with it. Uh, one of the other best moments of the movie is, you know, he finally gets to uh, Xavier's school for gifted youngsters, and Xavier's like, well, show us what you can do. And he opens his eyes, and like, this huge laser blast goes out and, like, devastates a bunch of stuff. And it gets one of the most, the funniest and most, you know, almost, like, 
dry humor lines from Xavier in the movie, and it's the only he said that I was laughing for the next five minutes. That was uh, a that was another great, <laughs> great, great moment. Oh, my, it's like yeah, and and so these new characters do great, and uh, th- my problem is the old characters, with the exception of Magneto, uh, just don't seem to really go anywhere and they're they're just kind of stuck and it feels like we don't we don't get a whole lot out of them uh well i will make one exception for rose Byrne as moira mctaggart who's able to return reprising that role from the first movie um but it, she does really well but it's really sad when we have jennifer lawrence and james mcavoy and Nicholas Holt, who just stole the movie in Mad Max Fury Road. And I I just felt like they were kind of stuck and they were just kind of there as window dressing. Um, and, and the rest of the characters just stole the movie. And see, it's funny you mentioned that because my, my viewpoint, my big sticking point, actually has to do with Apocalypse and the Four Horsemen. So, uh, you know, it's it's called X-Men Apocalypse. This is his movie. He's the biggest bad pretty much in the X-Men universe. I mean, I'd say, I would I would say, well, as far as his powers and everything he's done, he's the biggest bad. Um, I mean, oh, was, well, well, yes. I mean, yeah. look, that's the thing. Like, Apocalypse is, like, the guy for X-Men. And I just, as much as I love Oscar Isaac, and as much as Apocalypse should, like, strike fear into my X-Men-loving heart, I was just like, meh. Exactly. So that was, yeah, I mean, and I'm not exaggerating at all, but I swear to God, he spends over half the movie fussing with the Four Horsemen's costumes. It was like, you know, Tim Gunn from Project Runway was like, work, make it work, people, make it work, Apocalypse. I mean, I swear to God, there's a 10-minute scene where Magneto is talking to Xavier mentally, and he has time to do it without being, well, you know, annoyed or molested by Apocalypse. Because literally in the background, he's Apocalypse is fussing over angels, archangels' wings. Like it's like really, come on. Um, and that's the thing: the, the the four horsemen, while they're great characters, they're not given anything to do. I mean, you've got uh, Storm, who is the, the best one we've had. I mean. You know, Halle Berry is fine. Yeah. She's fantastic. She's a great character. They actually make her make you understand her and where she's coming from. Angel, we got a cool angel finally. Uh, you got, uh, of course, Magneto, and this this is, you know, this really dives into Fassbender's uh, or Eric Lynch's history back with Auschwitz and being <clears throat> in a concentration camp where his parents were killed, um, and it really brings a lot of that out in really cool ways. And, and, then, and what happens to him is just heartbreaking. And you, you are like, yeah, you can see why he's going to go down a dark path and what exactly is going on. Exactly. And then um, and we'll come back to Olivia Munn in a second. Is Psylocke. Again, she's a great Psylocke. But these characters literally have nothing to do until the last half hour when we know we have to have the big battle with Apocalypse and the Horsemen. And that battle is really cool. That has some of the coolest moments in the movie. But for, again, a movie that's, you know, that's centered around Apocalypse and everything he's doing, they're all just kind of like, oh, well, we're here. Um, We'll see you soon. Bye. And 
Ugh. And and the relationships that Eric Magneto is supposed to have with with Professor X and with Mystique and you have these great actors working with one another and I just never felt the chemistry the way that I did in previous movies and you have Quicksilver whose sole raison d'etre in this movie is oh I found out this guy's my father and I want to go connect with him and find out about him and and there's just I ugh, it, it just never really clicks and yeah. it, it it it's it's like well we had to find a way to put Quicksilver in this movie so we could do the awesome Quicksilver scene which was super awesome but instead of then giving him something to do with moral and emotional weight. It's like, oh, he's just here so that he could do some cool superpower stuff. Yeah, and that's, that's another another gripe I have is that this feels like, okay, so everything we've seen before that was really cool, you liked it, right? We're just going to do it again, but with a bit with a bit bigger budget and more special effects. I mean, I'm not trying to downplay the Quicksilver scene at all because it is, again, the best scene in this movie, but we've seen that. It was nothing new. And yes, it was fun as hell, but... You know, this is the third one. This is Brian Singer doing what he does best. I mean, this is the story he probably would have told had he been able to do X3 instead of letting, you know, going off and doing Superman. Um, but again, it's this, it feels like a third movie. And they always, the big joke, even in the movie, multiple times is the third movie's always is the weakest. And unfortunately, it, you know, f- comes, you know, true here as well. Uh, but. I do want to go back to Psylocke really fast. Olivia Munn, who oh, yeah. I love, um, because <laughs> you brought this up, and I didn't even really think about it because, again, I'm not looking for this. Uh, and I, I'm interested to see what Brooke has to say about this. Um, so Psylocke has a full-on boob window in her costume. And I just like saying the word term boob window because it makes me laugh. Um, boob window. <laughs> but when you brought it up, I was like, I thought she, I think she's had that before. And I went into the nope. comics and looked around. Nope. nope, never been a boob nope. window. So, nope. uh, Brooke, and, how and, do you... Yeah. Well, no, just really quickly, because Psylocke is one of my favorite characters. Oh, she's amazing. And, and, and when I was reading X-Men, it was like Dazzler, Longshot, Rogue, and Psylocke, and that was kind of like the core team. And then, like, Storm and Wolverine were kind of off doing their own thing. But, like, Psylocke, and she wasn't British, she wasn't Betsy Braddock, they were obviously doing the like ninja Psylocke, which is cool. That's fine. I'm totally down with the ninja Psylocke. And it was a great way to get Olivia Munn in as Psylocke. She looks the part. She plays the part. She's a badass. She's also a good actress. And if you disagree with me, go watch season one and two of the newsroom and then come back and we'll talk about Sloan Sabbath. Because Olivia Munn can act when when given something to do. And instead here, that costume, which never had a boob window, which was skin tight and revealing to be sure, but it's like we're reducing her to what I felt to be literally just a sex object. And I was distracted every time she showed up for two reasons. One, because of the boob window. Two, 
because I knew that I was going to have to have a conversation about boob windows again. And it's like, I thought we moved past this. Like, after they moved Supergirl out of the boob window costume, we all remember, we all figured out, hey, boob windows are sexist and misogynistic and objectifying, and we need to move on to something else. Now, I know everyone doesn't share my opinion, but that's that's how I feel about it. Cough, cough, like me. Cough, cough. <clears throat> <laughs> Brooke? Um, okay, so here's the thing. You and I talked about this two nights ago, and I was like, hell yeah, I want a boob window. That's freaking awesome. Now, I'm going to go back a couple steps and say that I haven't seen the movie, and um, I didn't have any comparable... Yes, and not seeing the movie has become a point of consternation in my household, so... Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Somebody no, well, hates me. Hey, it's it's not... Look, Brooke, we would have had you there, but it was literally... Oh, yeah, no, no, no. You, you can only come in, and no guests, no public, and it was like, yeah. this is killing us. But that's also apparently my fault somehow, so... Yeah, anyway. So... Here's the thing about it. At first, I was like, I think I I love that there's a boob window. Like it used to be misogynistic. It used to be sexist. It used to be a problem. But now you've got Thor who takes off his shirt and takes a bath in every freaking movie. And so my point was, I don't care. Like, good. Give her a boob window. Let her be as sexy as she wants to be. Let every woman be either sexy or not sexy like go for it like the helicopter scene in civil america is as comparable to a boob window on cyclops that is without having seen the movie that is just like if we're just going to without context compare things straight across the board now after we talked about it i of course went and watched a few more of the trailers and and i do I really like the X-Men characters and movies. And um, so I was sad about this for a lot of the same reasons that you guys said without having seen it. I'm sad that they didn't do anything new, that they didn't make it its own thing, that it. I'm, I'm afraid that it's going to feel tired and that the sexy costumes are misogynistic because it's not anything new. And so as I was watching the trailers and seeing that... From what I can tell without having seen it, she really is one of the few in a sexy boob window costume, and the rest of them have on like full costumes. Like, that's disturbing. And that she has, like, she is a great actress. She's one of my favorites, and I don't care what anyone has to say about it. I think she's awesome. Yeah. So, um, to have her not have any real dialogue or story arc or anything besides the boob window to set her apart is very disappointing. Well, and my my thing has been, like, if Apocalypse is going to take all this time playing Tim Gunn with these people, and he's going to give Psylocke a boob window, he should give Magneto a peen window. I mean, like, come on. We, we all <laughs> Michael, have heard about Michael, Michael Fassbender. It, it dents the tub Fassbender? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, check out his golf swing, according to George Clooney. Um, so, you know, like, I I agree with you, Brooke. 
that like we are moving into an era where um uh, like let's face it more than 50% of movie tickets are now bought by women and so having a little cheesecake uh for our lady folks i am all about that thor can take as many baths as he wants to like that's perfectly okay with me so if we're going to have a boob window i just want it to be equal so like hopefully Brian Singer, I know you listen to the podcast. I'm just saying. Oh, we know he's all about the peen window. So DVD director's cut, digitally Photoshop in that peen window. We're golden. We're golden. So a couple things I've been okay, thinking but about wait, 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 wait. It doesn't have to be equal. <laughs> it doesn't have to be like I, I, I like. No, 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 no. Just hear me out here. I like equality, right? But if I'm a chick and I feel more confident about myself when I am fully clothed and have and I have all of my weapons and a helmet and a shield, then I'm going to I'm going to go out that way. But if I for feel more confident and able to move freely and do what I want to wearing a tight ass piece of clothing and I cut out a boob window because I, I like my boobs, then that's what I'm going to go with. It doesn't have to be equal to what a man is or isn't wearing. Like, I kind of... I don't care what the men are doing. Yeah, but what about it's all not of the, the girls watching... But if it's not the woman's choice, and all she is is boob windows, then that's where it changes. Yeah, and, and what about the female X-Men fans watching this for, for whom they feel like that is an unrealistic body image that they can't live up to. Then a and peen window isn't... That a peen window isn't going to do anything for them. Well, and I'm certainly not going to ever live up to Michael Fassbender. Like, I'll, I'll just put that out there, but... I'm just saying that it doesn't have to, like... Whatever they're doing with the men has nothing to do with how girls that are watching this are going to feel. Well, that's true. But I, I mean, I'm I am being very tongue in cheek here uh, about oh, about I, the peen window. I but get that obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think there's something to be said for it's not about what she's wearing; it's about what they do with the character. If they're not doing oh, anything with true. the character, then what she's wearing is huge. But if they just did something with her character, it would be totally different. I also yeah, think I- that there's something really huge to say that the fact that a boob window is distracting is a problem. It means, and I don't think you guys are going to get behind me on this, but I think that we need to have more naked women, just like there are more naked men. Like, I, I just think it needs to be normalized and that... There's something about how off limits they are that continues to make the problem bigger and hiding them and having them be less noticeable or like the joke that I made about having Gal Gadot come have to get naked and take a bath in every movie, like take your top off, take a bath, be like Thor. Like it's never going to happen. People would lose their minds over it, but it should be the same. 
Well, that's well, the whole thing with Broovies, with the Deadpool lawsuit is over, is because they dared to show a penis on the screen. And, they can show naked uh, women all the time. Yeah, and we, and we brought this up before. Again, if you've not seen the documentary, this film is not yet rated. Go see it. Um, they bring up a big point that the moment you show male nudity, that's going to slap you with an automatic R and two seventeen. You can show boobs in Titanic and get away with a PG thirteen, um, but anything else with male is I'd say because boys want to see boobs, they don't want to see penises. Well, I want to see yeah. penis. You should. You should. <laughs> big old, big old dick and balls. Um, and I guess my my thing with with uh, Psylocke and you know, mentioned of oh, she's a, a fully fleshed out character, this and that. She's not. But that can be said as well for Storm and Angel, who are, again, the horsemen are completely wasted in this film, um, except for, you know, brief moments of introduction, and then, of course, the last half hour. Uh, me, personally, I I didn't have a problem with it, because, like, well, first of all, I didn't really notice, because <laughs> that's not what I'm looking at. Uh, it's, it, for me, it wasn't distracting, uh, and honestly, I, I thought I'd seen Psylocke wearing a similar costume in the comics. So when I noticed that, I was like, oh, she's wearing a costume in the comics, which she wasn't. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with, similar. With, similar, yeah. But, and, and the comics, actually, it's more form-fitting, and she's very, very busty. So you kind of go back and forth which one you think is better or worse. Um, but the well, one thing I remember was Olivia Munn, uh, I can't remember what part she, she was going to audition for, but she was going to audition for a different part. And then she's like, honestly, I want a role where I can just kick ass and not have to say much. That's why she specifically went for Psylocke, because it was different from the role she normally takes, and she wanted to be a kick-ass superhero, and that's what she got to do. Well, she uh, she didn't want to be the Marina Baccarin character of Deadpool's girlfriend. She didn't that's want to be was, yeah. ju- just a girl. And, you know, that's the that's the thing. And But to, to Brooke's point... Um, you know, having more nudity and having nudity normalized in a movie is totally different than a boob window because the boob window is designed only to titillate and only to be the like, oh, look at this naughty thing that we're not showing you all of and to further fetishize them. And so it's in many ways the exact opposite. If if this had been, I mean, I, mean, I started off talking about margot robbie in a hot tub or in a um you know in a bubble bath well i like bubble baths and i like margot robbie so i do i do think there's a thing about titling and you can't take away all sex appeal like obviously sex appeal is going to be there whether you're watching a movie of complete nudist or not like it it's it is going to be what it is but i think that there is a way like I said, I think it's all about what they're doing with the characters, and in this case, they did it wrong. Yeah, so anyways, uh, when it comes down to it, I liked more of this movie than I disliked, and when we were trying to rate this up, we did the, the round table on Big Shiny Robot, um, I was at a 7, and then I remembered that I gave Batman v Superman a 7, and <laughs> I liked this more. Um, I'm actually going to amend my score uh, from what my written review was. I am going to go with an 8 on this, uh, because the more I think about it, I had a lot of fun. It wasn't perfect, and I really wish they wouldn't have showed this to us literally two days after I saw Civil War, because um, you're bound to compare to that because it's, it's just a different level. I almost wish this movie would have come out uh, in maybe mid-July instead of the end of the month because, again, we're kind of all 
basking in the afterglow, smoking a cigarette in bed because of all the wonderful things Civil War did to us. Um, but no, I liked it a lot. I definitely want to see it again. I got a huge, huge geek out moment that I've never had in any, any X-Men, Marvel, DC movie ever. Uh, that just made me giggle like a schoolboy. I loved it. Uh, so there is some stuff that's bad here, but the good way outweighs it. So again, I'm an eight out of 10. Yeah, I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. Um, I'm still sticking with where where I was. I did like this slightly more than Batman v Superman, but only slightly. Um, I I think that it does play like a greatest hits album of the two previous X Men movies, which I dearly love. And um, I thought Apocalypse should have been the greatest villain. And he was a weak villain. I think the acting talent that was involved in this movie should have been on full display. I think we got great performances every once in a while from a couple of people. And and see, I like all the performances. I mean, um, I, again, I didn't have any problem with how these people portrayed their characters. Because obviously... Uh, McAvoy and Fassbender have been doing this now for multiple movies. They got their chance to, you know, shine as the people they are. Uh, you even got to bring in some of the stuff from the previous X Men trilogy, which was cool. Um, so yeah, the acting wasn't the problem for me. It was just more. We've seen this before. Let's let's do something new. But they and also, weren't they weren't given anything to do. And and this like this is my main point. You have three of the most powerful telepaths. In, on the entire planet with Jean Grey, Professor X, and, a, and an apocalypse-infused Psylocke. And the fact that they weren't able to really turn that into some, like, next-level stuff is, is, in my mind, a failure. We did get a cool moment of, uh, you know, Charles Xavier fighting using his mind with Apocalypse. But, and that's where I got my was, next level moment, too. But it was just a moment. I feel like they, there could have been more. And I hate to, like, judge a movie based on its potential rather than, um, rather than what it is. But I, that's kind of how I feel. This film is very gifted and it could have been a little bit more. And I kind of feel the same way about Batman v Superman. So I'm, I'm sticking still at like a seven or a seven and a half. This is by no means a bad movie. And everyone should go see it who loves the X-Men and who loves the previous two films. And everyone who has a geeky bone in their body, you're going to love it. And oh, my, I had a huge geeky bone in my body when this was over. Yeah. You know, my complaints aside... You're going to have a good time with this movie. It's just not the most amazing thing. And and I prefer the, the first two films. And I don't think that is a bad thing to say, considering how good First Class and Days of Future Past were. Yeah, I agreed. So, well, I'm the, very the, excited uh, to see it. And then... You should be. Everyone should be. No, exactly, because this this is it's a good movie. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm really excited to go see it again. Actually, pay money to go see it. Uh, also, because they didn't show us the after credit stinger, which there is one. So even though we sat through the whole thing, it wasn't there. It's just for uh, public release, and everyone's 
guessing and wondering uh, if if I had to put money on anything, I would say maybe the introduction of cable because that's kind of hinted at when uh, with a I think it was Kimber did a interview. But no, it's fun, and I, I got some really cool moments and things I really liked, and. I can think of lots of other things that they might be teasing too. So I am I, I'm going to go see this again, like and and now knowing that there's an after credit scene too, I'll I'll definitely go back, even if it's Deadpool coming out again, a la Ferris Bueller and saying the movie's <laughs> over. That's fine. They could just end oh, every single movie with that. And uh, by the way, a very happy birthday to Ferris Bueller's Day Off, celebrating its. 30th year of release this week. Um, that's crazy. Adam, that was my first ever PG-13 movie. The babysitter took us to go see it and made us promise not to tell my parents that we went so to go see it. it was pretty much a live, a live action version of Adventures in Babysitting, but with Ferris Bueller's Day Off. No, no not quite. Almost. But, <laughs> you know, but I, I dearly love that movie. And, um, that that Ben Stein scene with with Voodoo Economics, <laughs> something D O O Economics, Voodoo Economics. That is just so me. Anyway, all right. So that's going to wrap it up for this week. Obviously, the recommend for when it does come out uh, in a week and change from now is X Men Apocalypse. Uh, coming up this week, we've got uh, the Nice Guys, which is uh, Shane Black's newest movie. Uh, we know him from. Uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and Iron Man 3 and then also Neighbors 2 which is the follow up to the Seth Rogen, Zac Efron uh, frenemy movie where they, in this one they join up to take down a sorority which I'm sure will be both fun, naughty and inappropriate and with lots of Seth, or not Seth Rogen taking his shirt off, Zac Efron taking his shirt off yeah which we're all completely fine with so that'll be coming up next weekend but until then Hail Satan, and have a lovely afternoon. Punk ass tripping, but it's alright. Homie scored a key, he's gonna fly.